This is Who's the Man, a conversation on biblical manhood in a post-Christian world. I'm Mitchell. I'm Josiah. And I'm Chris. Today it's episode number six, and today we're talking about sex. Yep, let's jump right into it, because we got a lot to cover today. Here we go. All right. As always, we want to make it known that we're coming from a biblical worldview. And so what does the Bible say about sex? What better place to start than Genesis chapter 1? Verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Chris, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think there's the design for uh, man and woman, which is great. Um, And if you read before this, in God's creation, he's, he's ordering the world. He's creating the world. And it's actually a series of separations. Mm-hmm. And so these separations include heaven and earth, light and dark, night and day, morning and cl- evening, clouds and sea, water and dry land. And so like very clear separations, right? And included in that is male and female. And so, you know, profoundly, if you think about this, the, the Hebrew concept of separation is, you know, here's a Hebrew word for kadash, right? Which Translated, it can be translated as separated or set apart, but the translation I prefer is holy. And so this is really, in the, the series of separations is, you know, we see a consecrated holy ordering by God for his glory. And so when this whole conversation of society and there's no gender and you get to pick your pronoun and all that kind of stuff, it goes... It, against everything that we were designed in a very holy way um, to be uh, for God's glory. And it's not meant to separate us as like something that's bad. It's actually separating us for holiness, which is good, really, really good. Yeah, and I think that the principle that we're talking about here of separation, God design, male and female, that's not just showcased in the story of creation, but it's reaffirmed throughout the entire New Testament. One thing that, as we jump into this topic, that I want to make known is that this can obviously be a taboo sort of topic. Like, why are you guys even covering the topic of sex? Some in our world glorify this. We see it in movies, TV shows, video games even. Like, sex comes up all the time. But what is sex really? Because others might say, no, it's gross. Don't talk about it. It's only for at home, behind closed doors. But sex, as we see it defined in the Bible, is a gift of God designed for the context of marriage. So that's the view we're coming from with today. Uh, and that's kind of how we're wrapping up, I mean, wrapping this conversation in the biblical worldview of sex is created and designed by God for marriage. Right. And the Bible has everything that we need to inform the subject, which is good. Like you said, it's, it's reaffirmed throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, the entire Word of God um, affirms and reaffirms this this concept. And I think why is probably the biggest question that I notice in at least my age group. I'm, I'm 25. And so just conversations that I have um, out and about, I hear that idea of like, why, why wait to have sex other than the Bible says? For some people, that's sufficient, right? As Christians, we, we, we take the word of God um, as an errant, as authoritative, all of those things. But for, for guys who are you know, maybe they're maybe they're Christian, maybe they believe in God um, or, or who aren't, there, there are still some who are kind of like, the Bible says is is not enough for me, um, and so why should you wait? What's the benefit of waiting? What about if you're engaged to a girl? All of these little nuanced conversations where um, we're looking for we're looking for the answer. Maybe we're looking for a workaround. 
you know, I think for me, one thing that I notice and that I've been coming back to is just that ultimately as humans, we desire to be our own God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if you, if you say, if you are a Christian and you're asking yourself that question, think about what your life would be like without your Christian morals. Like if you, if you abandon your, your faith and if you changed, you know, your life, your morals, ethics, way of life stuff, what would really change? I think for a lot of people, not a ton. And I don't think that there would necessarily, you're not going to, you're not going to go start murdering people, um, just because you you've abandoned your Christian faith, so I think it's it's a lot of the times we're we're cool with what the Bible says until it conflicts with something that we want, mm. and so most people don't want to murder. Most people want to have sex, and so <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's where we start asking the question. So I don't know, Chris, if you want to kind of jump in there, I see where your logic's going on that. One. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think we've talked about this before. Like, what do you want now over what do you want most? Mm-hmm. Right? And Oftentimes we think about, especially when it comes to sex, what I want now. Uh, and I think God's design for sex in the context of marriage is something that we ultimately want in that kind of intimacy that's reflected in the relationship between Christ and the church. It's supposed to be reflected in the relationship between husband and wife. And like, as an idea, we like that. We want that. Uh, but then when push comes to shove, the reality is, is like, well, I, I like the way it feels or I like, you know, whatever. And it just, we make decisions in that instantaneous moment. And I think that back to you, Josiah, about like, we become our own God. We just start defining our own reality, our own rules and our own, like what is important to us, what's going to define our lives and define us and our identity. And is it going to be them a sexual being or is it that I'm a son of God? And there's a big difference between that. And so if I'm a son of God and I'm adopted in and I believe that my eternity has been purchased on Calvary's cross, then what I want now is going to begin to fade. The more that I focus in on the cross and what was done for me and rescuing me, the the less I'm going to focus on you know, something that I may enjoy, but my pleasure I want my pleasure to be vertical towards God instead of being self-centered about what I want now. That's, I mean, that's the, if we were going to summarize all we're saying today, that's the gist of it. It's like, I like what you were saying about the de- who's defining it. I think the world tells us we make the rules. Mm. We get to set up the, the parameters of our own life. And, and that's all that matters. It's what we say, what we want. But ultimately, biblical manhood means that we're putting the Bible as the first uh, and foremost, you know, guide for our life and what God says is most important. So what does God say? Well, he doesn't, you know, make it ambiguous here. It's pretty clear, like a verse like First Corinthians 6.18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Hmm. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, right. It, I mean, it doesn't leave you room to think. It's like, here's what I'm saying about sexual sin. What I'm trying to say is that we cannot set this definition like you were saying, Chris. God's defined it already for us. And again, it's nuanced, like you said, Josiah, because some might say, well, that's just what the Bible says. But the Bible's our authority here on, on the Who's the Man podcast. We're looking at what the Bible says. Right, and I think that, I think that piece that you touched on in when we submit to the Bible, that sets us up to be 
to be blessed and to be prosperous in the rest of our life. So if you're submitting to God's word and submitting to his authority, that's going to set you up to be a good boyfriend. It's going to set you up to be a good husband, a good father, because you're, you'll be coming from a place of serving and submission and you can lead through that. Whereas like you said, Mitch, like the world says, you know, you sort of, you sort of set the rules, you set your, your, your guidelines and do what, what feels right for you. And so, and I think, I think too, as guys, we, we have a tendency to want to fight sin, like put on the boxing gloves, let's go a couple rounds. And there's a very combative nature. I, I feel it in myself, right? With things. And it's like, even if you're, even if you're willing and, and able to admit that you need God's help, even then I notice in myself a tendency to want to fight this thing. And so whether that's, you know, physical sexual sin, like committed with another person, whether it's engaging with porn, whatever that is, we, we want to put on the boxing gloves and see kind of how close we can get to the, to the boundaries without crossing them. And that's why I love the, you know, the verse from first Corinthians. It's like, it doesn't say to get close. It doesn't say to pray and ask God for his strength to resist. It's like, get out of Dodge and, and don't even mess, don't even mess around there. So yeah, flee is like run, run, (laughs) turn around, go the other direction and take off because none of us are going to be strong enough on our own to flee this temptation. And, and I think Satan knows it Mm. and is going to attack us and is going to whisper in our ear and in our hearts and our mind of just like, Hey, you deserve this. It's okay. You know, I mean, did, you know, did God really say that? I mean, is that really what God meant? And wow, you know, like that's the temptation of Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Well, did God really say that you would die? You won't die, you know, and like, this isn't going to ruin you. This isn't going to ruin your character. You know, everybody's doing this. So go ahead. I mean, it doesn't matter if you cheat on your wife or you have sex before marriage, like, in the whole scheme of things, like, yeah, eh, go ahead. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that I keep thinking big picture, like the 30,000 foot view of this conversation is like, it always comes back to biblical authority. Like, mm-hmm. do we believe what God says? Do we believe he's the final authority? Because if not, then when the devil whispers those things in our ear, it's easy to be swayed and say, mm, I like that better. I'm going to run that way, like you said. But once you make up your mind and say that, yes, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to take what God says uh, as truth, as 100%. Like, this is what's best for my life. So then we get into this in this next part uh, about how, you know, when should we make up our mind? Like, in the moment? Like you were saying, just like, <laughs> it's when we get in there and say, well, I want to fight this temptation. Right, I, I can go three rounds with the devil here. Yeah, when your girlfriend's standing in front of you in very few articles of clothing and you're like time to decide whether or not i'm gonna (laughs) how far am i gonna go yeah Yeah, right yeah yeah absolutely and that's i mean making up your mind in advance like are you making are you setting the the rules and boundaries or is god's word Mm. right and am i surrendering and submitting myself to a higher authority than myself or am i only doing it to my own desires yeah and i think that's just a, a part of discipleship and as a, a man after God's own heart or someone who's just trying to figure out what it means to be a man after God's own heart, like getting that part decided, that, I mean, that defines the, all of your life, not just the sexual aspect of it. Right. And so when you get to the place where 
you know, you're in a place of sexual temptation or whatever, once you, if you've already decided that, it doesn't make it easier, it just makes it clear on what you should do. You still have to make a decision. Am I going to flee or am I going to continue to, to move forward? And those are critical moments. Yeah, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? From Jeremiah 17, like, that's our that's our condition while we're here on earth. And one day everything will be made right and, you know, we'll be brought into perfect union with the Father. But until then, right. it's not going to cut it if you're waiting until the moment to, right. to make those decisions. So it's pretty clear what the Bible is saying about... Um, sex in the confines of marriage and flee sexual immorality but what if someone's listening and they're like oh it's too late i've already had sex and i'm not married what do we say to them yeah i mean that was me i mean like i lived far away from god and made decisions you know sexually without a filter of a relationship with god and not thinking about how that would impact my marriage and all those kind of things and you know i was a i had a lot of guilt from that, like, okay, now I'm a believer. Now I've got this woman who I eventually want to marry. I'm dating, and like, well, like, what do I do? Like, how mm. do I move forward? And you know, I was raised in a in a very judge judgmental mindset, right? I was raised Catholic, and so it's just like, hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta do your penitence, and you gotta do all these prayers and all this kind of stuff, and maybe just maybe God will forgive you and all this kind of stuff. And you know, Kelly was walking beside me, and she's like, well. God's grace is enough and his forgiveness is complete. You know, mm. and it talks about how when we come to God with a humble and contrite heart that when we ask for forgiveness, it says that he takes that sin and he, and he hides it behind his back and never to see it again. Like we have, we, we remember, but when God has forgiven something, he's forgotten it right. and it's gone. It's completely washed in the blood of Jesus. And so like, if you find yourself like, hey, I'm single and but I've had premarital sex or whatever. I'm like, am I doomed? Like, no. Like, this is why Jesus died on the cross. Hmm. And you know, it doesn't mean it's like, hey, permission every Friday night. You're just gonna be like, well, Saturday morning I'll repent, you know, yeah. and get washed in the blood again. Like, that's not that's not real repentance. You know, that's just you know that's cheap grace. Right. Uh, and that's not what that's not the reason why Jesus died on the cross. And so you can be whole and you can be healed and you can be forgiven uh and a new person i mean i'm pretty sure paul writes a lot about being a new creation in christ um and that's true sexually as well yeah in hebrews chapter 8 the writer says for i will forgive their wickedness talking about god i will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more uh isn't that great (laughs) yeah right yeah i loved what you said his his forgiveness is complete and I think that's something that, man, if we could encourage Christians, guys listening, the completeness of that forgiveness is, I don't know. That hit me like, like when you said it, it, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks because so often it's like, well, okay, I understand that God is forgiving and he can probably forgive me for, for these couple things here, but certainly not this. And we start compartmentalizing what we've done. And like you said, the blood of Jesus was sufficient. It's covered. So your past, the sins, the mistakes, the darkness, it's been paid for. Right. And I think we need to really cling to that completeness. Or if we don't and if we can't, then we'll never know true freedom. 
Amen. And I think, you know, premarital sex and adultery. And so the concept of, of forgiveness and all that is, is true in both of those situations. When, when it comes to adultery, though, you know, your wife is involved yeah. now, right? And I've been a pastor for 26, 27 years or whatever. And I find out in a variety of ways when people are, you know, are in an adulterous situation, relationship, or whatever, and um, it, it everybody finds out eventually. Mm. You can be like, ah, you know, I'm good enough. I can, you know, cover this up or whatever. And it's just like, it always comes to light, no matter how smart you think you are or whatever. And which almost makes it worse because, you know, there's cover-up involved, um, you know. And so, like, there is healing and there is forgiveness that's available to God and you can there's healing and forgiveness that can happen with your wife as well it's it's going to be a lot harder because she she's not like God in in Hebrews and forgets about it right and right. it's she's going to remember um, and trust has been broken and uh, it's but I have been amazed at the number of people who have had their marriage restored and reconciled and been stronger and healthier and more passionate. Uh, none of them would choose to go through what they had to, to go through to get there. They would definitely pick a different route. Um, but it doesn't mean that your marriage is over and it doesn't have to be over. Um, you can recover. Um, and if anyone's listening and, and you're in that spot where you feel broken and you feel like you're your marriage is is breaking and and coming apart. Uh, I mean, realize what what Chris just said. It's it's not over. Uh, God's still in the healing business. Right. Call me. Yes. Email me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what you do, like what you do when you when you bring those things into light, is you remove their power to control you anymore. Like right. that's where the darkness is where Satan operates best. Man, like he loves he loves that space where you're alone, where you're isolated where nobody else knows because that's where that's where all the damage can happen. And so the the minute that you like you said it's not that it won't hurt. Mm-hmm. Generally bringing stuff into the light kind of sucks. Like it it's it's hard to admit and it's hard to say you know, whatever it is. I've had a vast moral failure. I completely went against this covenant. Like you said if it's in a, if it's within a marriage, it's like I've I've broken covenant i've broken oath Mm -hmm. and that's hard and there's there's got to be healing that happens there's got to be reconciliation it's hard work but we're called to hard work and good work and so but if you leave it in the dark that's like you said eventually everybody finds out so if you're willing to i think be vulnerable and make that make that hard decision where and that doesn't that doesn't mean you i don't think necessarily that it means that you have to just broadcast it to the world and say hey everyone this is exactly what i did right Find the people who are in your corner. Hmm. Find the people who love the Lord and love you. Find the people who know biblical truth and go to them and say, this is what I'm dealing with. And, you know, not every single person needs to know all your business. Right. But the people who, who will love you, who will not just say, well, it's fine. But the people who, who really love you, who will challenge you, who will help help you walk forward in the light. That's what you, that's what we need. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, and, and it can be, you know, it can be Adultery, it can be a physical, sexual relationship. It can be an emotional relationship, 
mm. or it can be with with pornography, right? And so, like, there each one of those kind of has a different way of of what you have to walk through and, and healing and repentance and everything. Um, but bringing it to whichever one of those three, there may be others that I'm not thinking of that like bringing it to the light is like the first step. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. got to do that and finding somebody who is for you and that you can trust, you know, and I would say don't broadcast it to the world. <laughs> That's not going to be a, a good thing um, at all. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about sex in the confines of marriage. Uh, all right. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it. What does it, what does it right, look I'll like? I'll see you guys in a few minutes. I'm going to head out get a cup of coffee. When we were in preparation, uh, Chris, you told me that men are like microwaves and women are like slow cookers. What does that mean? It's, yeah, right. I mean, I don't know. It just That was something I read at some point. I don't remember, but it was just like, do you want to, if you ask a man, do you want to have sex? And the answer is yes. You know, right now, like, I'm ready. Right. You know, and... Uh, and I think we sometimes project that onto our wives and mm-hmm. think that they're the exact same way. And that's not the way that women are wired up. I think it's they're more like slow cookers. They're just like they need the time to to, to be seasoned and to get ready. And there's, you know, there's a, a wooing in there. Yeah. Um, and so I think of, you know, like what's your wife's love top two love languages, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't know, find out by tomorrow. Right? I mean, now if I could give you a piece of advice, like, cause you can be making all the investment into your wife and the relationship. And it's just, it's not a, not a bad investment. It's just not the best investment. Right. right. So if you make the investment of your time and energy and passion and joy and everything into your wife's top two love languages, like that's going to be like turning the slow cooker on high. Yeah. Right? And like you're doing it not because you're trying to get something from her, like but you want something for her, right? You want her and like they will sniff it out. <laughs> Your wife will <laughs> sniff it out if they if it's, you know, uh you know, you're you're gunning for something in the end, you know. Uh but if it's this cons- just like a dog performing for a treat. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. And like she's not a dog performing for a treat. No. And so like but that's like if it's just this thing that happens every, you know, every other day or whatever your rhythm of having sex is, it's just like wait. Every other you know, day. It's like, Jeez, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> every third day, whatever okay. it is, you know. Uh so that's you know, it's it's she's recognizing that you're doing it because you're wanting to bring out the best in her and filling her bucket um, for the you know sheer pleasure of seeing that she is mm-hmm. satisfied and and cared for and loved in the way that means the most to her. That's why you find out what the love language is, um, and so it really back to the self-sacrificing thing that you were talking about, Josiah. Is like whenever you're serving your wife and seeking to fill her bucket by, you know, speaking her top two love languages, you got to set yourself aside. Like, oh, at the end of the day, I don't feel like doing this. I just want to sit down and watch TV or play a video game or whatever. Or I'm like, oh, I'm going to, whatever those five love languages, whatever her top two are, like, no, I'm going to make this investment because it's worth it. She's worth it. I've committed my life to her. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mutual mutual submission is, 
a huge component, I think. Um, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> from what I've seen and, yes. and, you know, from the healthy marriages that I've, that I've borne witness to, um, self-sacrifice, you know, is part of a marriage. And we need to kind of come to terms with that as men, I think. So, like you were saying, the more that you, and I think the more that you, like you said earlier, there's a there's a wooing that happens. There's a pursuit, and mm-hmm. that's that's part of the adventure, man. Like, and I think sometimes guys lose that in the just you know because we are. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I like who said it earlier. You know, if if your wife asks you, you want to have sex, the answer is going to be <laughs> yes, yes immediately right now wherever you want. <laughs> that's right. Um, and and so so, but the more that you you talk to each other, the more that you pursue each other, the more that you learn each other, learn their love languages, learn the ways that make them feel valued and, and appreciated, the mutual submission piece will play such a huge role because you will be doing such a better job in loving your wife, not to not to get something, but just because you love her. But likewise, she'll be doing the same for you. And so there there won't be there won't be like a lack. And I think like if we could take just a couple of minutes because what I what I'm afraid happens sometimes in these conversations Sometimes what, is, what has happened when I've listened to conversations around this topic is basically it, it feels like whatever the, whoever the speaker is, whatever the, whatever the, wherever the conversation goes, the message winds up sounding like, guys, castrate yourself and mm-hmm. never like we're made as sexual beings. And Chris, you actually had a quote from, I think, a, a Christian counselor that I felt like was really, really poignant. So I don't know if you could, if you could read that, but cause I, cause I don't want us to feel like, like I don't want guys to feel there's a, there's a proper way to approach it. There's a proper way to submit, but it doesn't mean you just have to force yourself down and completely ignore the ways that, that God has wired us. Even if it's, you know, even if we're wired up more like microwaves. Right. Yeah. I mean, be fruitful, multiply. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's you know what God has instructed right at creation right after the flood like this is God's design right this is we're wired up for this right and so that that quote was you know um it's actually part of the the whole created whole created in God's own image thing you know talk about in the Bible right you see a man's passionate and un- and unrelenting pursuit of intimacy with his wife reflects God's passionate pursuit of people's hearts so when we were still completely disinterested in him, he loved us and pursued us, wooing our heart that we might mm-hmm. be in an intimate relationship with him. And so there's this amazing metaphor for the intimacy that God desires to have with us displayed through intercourse. So if you mean think about it, in, in every other religion, God's out there somewhere where we're trying to get to that small G God. Mm-hmm. But in Christianity, the message of the gospel is that God came for us. And when we embrace him, he literally indwells our body. He's alive inside of us. Yeah. And so this, this closeness of relationship is really mirrored as a husband literally indwells his bride, or his wife's body through intercourse when she accepts him. And so this is the reason that you know, men's identity and sexuality are just so integrated. So to accept a man sexually is to accept him. To reject a man sexually is to reject him. And that's, you know, in some ways, that's the story we write in our heads, and we think, well, you know, if I've been rejected, then I'm I'm rejected as a as a man, mm-hmm. and that and and that's not true, mm-hmm. right? Um, our identity is not in our sexuality; our identity is in Jesus, right? And so there's this you know tension of like who we're created in the image of and what we're created to do, and part of that is to be fruitful, multiply. But that's not where our identity is. Like there, there's something inside of us for sure. We're made that way, 
But if we confuse the two, then it becomes very dangerous. Right. And I think that what you're kind of describing is like Ephesians chapter 5 shows us that there's um, the reflection of a husband and wife uh, is a reflection of Jesus and the church. Uh, and I think that's just a helpful reminder. Uh, and one other thing to be aware or just to think about is that um, just like you were talking about identity, and I think that if we find our identity in anything other than our relationship with God, we're never going to be satisfied. Like if we're just making sex this idol in our life uh, and only being satisfied and not worrying about pleasing God, that's a way that sex can turn into a, a negative thing in our life. So that's just one word of caution. But like you said earlier, Josiah, uh, God created sex and that's a good thing and it's it's designed uh, for us. Uh, and and it's, like you said, Chris, it's not just be fruitful multiply but there also is you know there's uh, we're allowed to enjoy it right i guess as well. yeah man god knew what he was doing when he made sex like he could have made it in any other way but he, you know made it this uh, for our pleasure yeah, yeah right. right yeah that's good so in these last few minutes uh, of today's episode let's just take give a little take home like we like to do uh for single people for married people and, and really for all men so chris yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about this was for single people, but I think this is true for, for all men, right, in terms of defining boundaries, you know, what what does that look like? And so I, the best analogy I have ever heard is to, you know, you have a, if you have a dog, right, you have, a, you have a fence in your backyard, and the fence is there because it's to protect your dog, right? You don't want your dog to run on the street and get hit by a car or whatever. You love your dog, so you put a fence up. Yeah. So God loves us, and he's put boundaries around our sexuality because he loves us because he cares for us he's trying to protect us and like you know you don't want your dog running along the fence line looking for a way to get out yeah right you want your dog in relationship with you you want him to go out and do his business and <laughs> come back inside yeah. and be in relationship with you same thing with us like if you're up against the boundary you're up against that fence like hey don't have sex Right. Uh, but you're out there along the fence line looking for, you know, what's what's permissible. Is oral sex OK? Is a hand job OK? Is whatever OK? Right. That's the wrong question um, because you're out on the fence line instead of inside with the master building relationship with him. And so, like, whether that's whether you're single or you're married, I think defining the, the fence line is good. Right. And but ultimately we want as men of God, we want to be inside in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so, like, that's, like, define that. Yeah. De- define that that fence line. And so, you know, I don't know, for, for me, like, whenever you're single, like, what's, what's that look like? Because what's okay for somebody might not be okay for somebody else, you know? Mm. Cuddling, spooning, you know, any kind of, you know, physical close contact with your clothes on. <laughs> you know, it might be okay for some people, but others, they just like, I no, like that's going to lead me to sin. Like, I'm just not going to be able to handle that. So like having that conversation with the girlfriend mm. is really, really important. And like n- before you have that conversation with her, like getting it straight in your own heart. Right. Yeah. You don't want to, one thing that you don't want to do, um, I think it's important to keep in mind, this is just a little thing that I think sometimes we miss is like, even if you're in a dating relationship, you're single. Right. In the grand scheme and, and in the view of God, there's a there's a marriage that that allows for and, and opens up this world into 
sex and, and all of those other things. Um, it's a good reminder. But as one thing that you don't want to do is decide that you're, you know, make a decision that sets you up to sort of, you know, you're doing it, but not for the right reasons. It's like, well, yeah, sure. I won't have sex, but I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> Finding a way to set boundaries that are that are pleasing to God, that are according to his word and his ways, but also that that can come from a, a genuine place in your own heart. And I, because I think if you don't do that, you're setting yourself up to be bitter. You're setting mm-hmm. yourself up to resent your girlfriend. Um, because when you do set those boundaries, you're eventually and inevitably, it's very hard not to ever come into temptation, not to ever experience doubt in those moments. And when you, when you get up to those, those boundaries and one of you, one of you is, you know, stronger than the other, um, there's this, there's this tendency and susceptibility to, this little seed of bitterness or mm-hmm. resentment or anger or frustration seeps in. And so I would just say be very, very careful that what you're doing is for the right reasons and not because you're, you know, in your head, you're the self-righteous <laughs> right. person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I take home for married couples is communication is important. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because my job is communication. Right. This <laughs> is about marriage. Communicate with your wife. What brings your wife pleasure? What brings you pleasure? What is uncomfortable? What is out of bounds? If you don't talk about it, you guys are going to come to your own conclusions that probably aren't correct. Uh, so just remember that. And, and remember that while you might be a microwave ready in 30 seconds, <laughs> your wife needs to slow cook the, right. the eight hours of preparation or whatever that might be. Um, another take home for, for married couples. Is, eight hours? <laughs> You know, like like uh, a, a day spent uh, with eight hours of acts of service. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I was like, I, maybe I took the metaphor too far. But the other reminder for married couples, early for for any dating relationships, even uh, is find out what your wife, what your girlfriend, what, uh, what your significant other's love languages are, especially the top two. And Chris, you said find out tomorrow. I'd say find out tonight, uh, unless you're listening at like 11.30 at night, then it's impossible. But find out as soon as possible and make an investment in her. And the last thing that I would say, uh, this is one I struggle with really, uh, remember when your wife says not tonight, she's not rejecting you. Uh, and I think that uh, that's just a helpful reminder for me. Because it's rooted in your identity, right? right? Sometimes we get so caught up, our sexuality is caught up in our identity and we're like, she just rejected me. Right. No, she just said not tonight. Yeah. And that's, there's a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the last thing I'd say is like, and, you know, you guys have really turned me on to, to John Eldridge mm. and, you know, just was reading. I think that's now six for six. Is that right? I think yeah, we, we I talked think we about mentioned, it. Mentioned John yeah, Eldridge. Right. You know, and so a lot of times I hear about accountability groups and we need somebody, you know, John Eldridge says, we don't need accountability groups. We need fellow warriors, someone to fight alongside, someone to watch our back. We don't need a meeting of really nice guys. We need a gathering of really dangerous men. Hmm. We need men who, to whom we can bear our souls. But it isn't going to happen with a group of guys you don't trust who really aren't going, really going to go to battle with you. It's a longstanding truth, Jane, when you think about this. There's never been a more devoted group of men than those who have fought alongside one another. The men of your squadron, the guys in your foxhole. And those are big groups, right? Mm, yeah. We don't need a big group of like that. We need a band of brothers who are willing to shed blood with us. Yeah. And so I would encourage you, find your band of brothers, whatever that looks like. It could be one other person. It can be two other people or three other people. But find your band of brothers to walk through this with because you need a. We need each other. 
Yeah. A lone wolf is a dead wolf. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's going to do it for this episode of Who's the Man and concludes the first season of Who's the Man. We're going to take the months of July and August off and we'll be back in September with season two. Well, in the meantime, we invite you to share these podcasts with a friend, uh, write us a review wherever you're listening, or even send us a text message. I'm going to give you my cell phone number here in a moment, but uh, send us a message what you'd like us to talk about uh, in the fall as we start season two. My number is 724 757 four five nine five so again you're invited to to just share this with a friend if it's made an impact on you and until we talk to you guys again in september go out and live like jesus